Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Travel Time with Karen, with your host, Karen Duncan, owner of Peaks Cruises and Tours. Get ready to visit some exotic places at home and around the world, and find out how to make your next vacation the experience of a lifetime. Now, here's Karen. Aloha, buenos dias, ni hao, yahate, bula, guten tag, bonjour, jumbo, border tarde, everything very. Hey, y'all, and good afternoon. I'm Karen Duncan, owner of Peaks Cruises and Tours and host of Travel Time with Karen here in the Austin area. We specialize in travel that piques your passions locally and internationally. If you need help with travel planning, group travel management, local events and eats, or would like to learn to be a group leader, contact us at 512-252-8919 or visit us on the web at PeaksCruisesTours.com. We would love to visit with you. And, of course, like us on Facebook, and that's Eating and, eating and Sipping Locally um, is our Facebook page. So make sure you go out there and like us and follow us on Blog Talk Radio. Well, we got to give a shout-out to Shelda. Shelda is actually in the hospital, uh, not feeling very good. She went on a cruise. She was actually on the Quantum, and I haven't had a lot of time to talk with her to find out how the trip was, but she got sick toward the end of the trip. So she made it back to Austin, and we want to say hello, feel better, Shelda. Uh, we're missing you today. Wayne is on the air, and someplace in the back out there is Mitchell doing his thing. Um, I'm not sure Lindsay is, of Living Local is going to be online. I haven't heard from her today, but Lindsay, we're thinking about you too. And we do have Miss Yolanda of Eating Local in the house, and our new mascot is in his crate, Mr. Thunder One Love on Cletus Duncan, the German Shepherd puppy. Um, if you want to talk to us today, give us a call at six four six. We're going to have a great show. We have a guest calling in, a guest speaker, Mr. Charles Quinn of Charles Quinn Photography, who is going to be talking to us about vacation photography. And when he sent his outline to me, I was really quite surprised at some of the things that he's actually going to talk to us about today Things that I never would have thought about. I'm not going to steal his thunder because he's got some really good ideas and things to do and not to do um, while you're trying to um, document your experiences while you're having a good time. And that's locally or internationally. Um, I do want to talk to you a little bit about some upcoming trips that um, we want you to get it, be a part of. Uh, the Texas Jazz Jam Cruise, the second annual, is coming up this October. That's available if you're interested. This cruise highlights Texas jazz musicians who get not a lot of respect because Texas is not known for jazz. We have some fantastic jazz musicians in, in the state of Texas. And this cruise was a brainchild of... Um, Cito Khan, who is executive director of the Austin Jazz Alliance, to put together a house band that plays jazz every day while we're on the cruise, well, five days out of the seven. And we have workshops 
vocal workshops, instrument, different instrument workshops. And it's a really, really fun um, and exciting cruise that's going to be going on in October. This year we'll be headed to Jamaica, the Cayman Islands, and Cozumel. And it leads out of Galveston. So there is time um, to get you a cabin, and it's going to be a lot of fun. The next one I want to talk about, I want to talk a little bit about um, Mayflower Tours, who, if you came to our 20th celebration and travel um, event, Mayflower Tours actually came down. They're out of the Chicago area and have been in business for 35 years. And they came down and had a booth so that they could get to know the people in the Austin area. They're getting ready to move into this area. They're very well known in the Midwest. Um, And like I said, they've been in business 35 years. It's a husband and wife team, John and... um, John, I've just went totally brain dead. Mary, I believe it is. I just went, yeah, Mary. I don't know why I couldn't remember that. But John and Mary uh, are the owners, and they are growing and expanding. So they're putting people in the market in California and in Texas, and so they're expanding outside of uh, their Midwest base. They have a very loyal base from what I understand. And... We are going to work with them next year. Some of you may know um, Mitchell's background. Was he worked in Yellowstone National Park um, during summers when he was in college, and he's always wanted to go back to Yellowstone. So we're going to do the Yellowstone, Grand Tetons, and Mount Rushmore in July on July 14th, 2016. So we've got plenty of time for you to plan. There's a $200 deposit that's required uh, to hold your space. And this includes nine days, 12 meals, a tour of Yellowstone, the Grand Tetons, and um, we get to watch Old Faithful hopefully erupt and tour the historic mining towns and discover treasures of the Old West. If you've never done the national parks, this is a great opportunity for you to get a chance to do this. And I've not done the national parks. I've done the Grand Canyon, but I've not been to Yellowstone or or any of the other national parks uh, across the country. And and when we started talking about this at our event, people were really excited about being able to do this. And we hope that we can, can, we've got 20 spaces that we're holding um, for us to come out of Texas and go to Utah, Wyoming, and South Dakota on this fantastic trip. If you want some more information, you can give us a call or send me an email at karen at travel.com, and I will um, give you that additional information. But we're doing it through Mayflower Tours. We're going to get to see them up close and personal, and they actually do some tours of San Antonio. That's their entrance entrance into the Texas market. They do a Christmas on the Riverwalk, and then they bring their tours into the Austin area and over into the Hill Country. So this will be fun. I'm going to see if I can't get on one of those tours and um, see exactly what they're doing. A couple of other things that 
that are going on that I thought would be interested that were travel trends. Travel trends. Where did Americans travel most? In 2014, it looks like um, from the Hotel Price Index, these are the destinations for Americans, U.S. destinations, and international traveler, uh, travelers that were traveled to the most. Las Vegas, New York City, and Orlando, which are pretty common, I would say. Then California, Texas, and Florida were the most popular states overall. Um that's pretty interesting. And then London, Paris, and Toronto were the three most visited international destinations for Americans. But they say Mexico is on the third, is on the comeback. You know, for a long time, people weren't traveling to Mexico. We still don't cross the border to the border town. But the Cancun Riviera Maya is number six overall for destinations that Americans travel to. Uh, Mexico City is number 15, and Puerto Vallarta area is number 38. And they're making huge jumps in what they've uh, been doing in the past. So that's that's really good uh, for Mexico because they've in, uh, invested in some serious infrastructure, new hotels, new luxury hotels, not just ordinary stuff. And I think I've talked about that before. But great stuff, Um Nothing like what we used to picture Cancun to look like. And so Vegas is is the big draw for Americans, and international people still prefer New York City. Um, That was the most popular U.S. city for many Western European um, countries, including France, Germany, Spain, and the U.K. And one last thing I wanted to talk about in terms of travel trends was the the importance of travel reviews. So they did this study, and it aimed at helping hotels convert bookings at a higher rate through their website. Um, and the survey did uh, was they surveyed more than 500 travelers that revealed the following, among some other things: 95% of the respondents of the report said that they, prior to booking leisure travel, read more travel reviews than business travels, six to seven compared to five. Um, And they look at it on average of 30 minutes. They read for about 30 minutes. And I think that's pretty interesting. 80% summarized reviews said they were time efficient. Um, they like to summarize reviews as opposed to having to read each individual review. And then 62% said that they prefer it if they are mobile-friendly so that they can read them on their um, smartphone. So the reviews are really important not only just for hotels but for anyone in the hospitality and travel industry and although there is some controversy about reviews being purchased so that um, you get good reviews versus reviews that are not so good, I always tell people, look at the reviews with a grain of salt. You still should contact a professional, whether it's myself or someone else, that is, is an expert in the area so that you can get an idea of 
someone that has that you can talk to face to face or on the phone that can give you some background about the destination or the hotel that you're about to stay in. Um, because sometimes we can't trust what we see on the internet, and that could be a really dangerous situ- situation. Uh, we want to make sure you have the best experience of all time. So um, I'm going to go to a short commercial, and when we get back, we're going to um, be very close to when Charles is going to call in. I think Charles is calling in at 120, so we'll have some conversation with with Yolanda, and she has coming up, and then later in the show she can talk to us about what she did for South By. Oh, another thing I wanted to, I'll talk to you after the, the commercial about SeaWorld. So it's Travel Time with Karen, and we will be back with you in a little bit. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to It's Travel Time with Karen. Stay tuned. We'll be back after these messages. Looking to plan a group vacation? Can't decide on where to go? Don't worry, Peaks Cruises and Tours is here to help. It's our great pleasure to be of service to you or your group. We work with groups of 10 to 300 and more. Peaks Cruises and Tours specializes in vacation planning, group planning and management, romantic getaways, milestone travel planning, honeymoons and destination weddings, fundraising through travel, incentive and reward program development, seminars at sea, group leader and travel agent training. Let Peaks Cruises and Tours take care of you and prove how great our service really is. Give us a call today or visit us online at PeaksCruisesTours.com to book your reservations today. For fun travel information, listen to us on BlogTalkRadio.com slash Travel Time with Karen on Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Welcome back. It's Travel Time with Karen. It's no better time to travel than now. Here's Karen. Welcome back. Welcome back. It is beautiful here in Pflugerville, Texas. I don't know what the rest of the world looks like or the rest of the state, although I did call my parents in Chicago yesterday, and I guess I missed the news, but I was sitting outside here, and we were bragging to my dad about it being 82 degrees, and he said that he woke up in the middle of the night last night, and they had four inches of snow, new snow in Chicago. Oh, my God. Can can the winter weather just go away? We just really need it to go away. One thing that I wanted to talk about is, you know, we had SeaWorld on the show a couple of weeks ago, and um, Dan Decker, who's the president of the SeaWorld in San Antonio, kind of talked about some things that are going on. They're getting this bad press from a couple of uh, documentaries that have come up, out about how they're treating the animals, and so on and so forth. Well, I just wanted to put my two cents in on this because I do know for a fact that whenever um, a a water animal or mammal is in distress, the first people that are called are sea world. There's not a whole lot of facilities out there that can adopt a sea lion or can rescue a whale. And so we kind of need to look at both sides of the story. We're going tomorrow. I'm taking my class from Austin Community College to SeaWorld to do a behind-the-tour um, 
behind-the-scenes tour um, to take a look at some of the things that they're doing that is sustainable because the class I'm teaching is sustainable tourism. And I um, will get have some more information. But I just want to say, you know, for years we've been enjoying what SeaWorld has done um, and what they do and the entertainment perspective. I believe that they try to treat the animals as as uh, healthily, if that's a word, as possible. Um, of course, they're better off in, ca- in uh, the wild as opposed to captivity. But for some who cannot survive out in the wild anymore, um, they couldn't be in a better place than SeaWorld. But that's my two cents, and I'm done with that piece of it. The, the other thing was travel to Cuba is huge. It is, I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, six companies, including Mayflower Tours, that now have travel programs to Cuba. It's called Licensed People-to-People Operators Now Conduct Extensive Tours to the Island. And um, there are opportunities for you to go to Cuba and see it as it is right now. Because once things kind of open up even more and become more available for Americans to travel to Cuba, you can believe that it's going to change. Change for the better, yes, in some respects. Change not in the better for some, in other respects. I was in Miami a couple last week, as a matter of fact. And the young lady that picked me up from the airport was Cuban-American. And I asked her about um, her feelings on Cuba um, being opened up. And she said, you know, out of respect for her parents, um, you know, she had some hardship about Cuba and uh, and Americans being able to go to Cuba because she doesn't feel because the brothers that run Cuba did so many bad things in the past and for the people there they don't think things have changed very much it's until Cubans see the difference between how they live and how the rest of the world lives nothing really is going to be done with her thoughts. Once they realize that there is a different world outside of Cuba where people live, um, have more benefits, and and they have a better life, then they will start insisting that things change in Cuba. But on the other note, as a, as a tourism professional, someone that studies tourism, I'm really anxious to see Cuba before it becomes too commercialized. I I kind of like to go to a destination prior to to it being discovered and changed due to tourism. And so, if you're one of those types that does not mind some um, some things that are not always so comfortable and things that don't always look so pretty, then Cuba is the place for you to go take a look at it before it changes. It's going to change in the next five to ten years. It's going to be different. Yolanda, are you there? Are you there? Hi. Yeah, I'm here. I was just thinking about you were talking about with Cuba. I mean, I've always heard such negative things about it, but to see it in this raw state of form would probably be excellent before it does get too touristy. Yeah, Yeah, so would you go? Yeah, I would. Actually, I would love to go. I'd love to try yeah, the food. I, I know. <laughs> I bet the food is pretty good. 
I know. When I was in Miami last week, um, I really was hoping to get some Cuban food, and the people that took me to lunch took me to BJ's. Now, there's nothing wrong with BJ's. Mitchell and I go to BJ's a lot. (laughs) But I was in Miami for the day, and all I could dream about on the way down there was to be able to get me some some Miami-type cuisine. Authentic, yeah. Yeah, and they took me to BJ's. I thought that was hilarious. So I had chicken (laughs) fried chicken and mashed potatoes. (laughs) Oh, well, no, that's certainly not good Cuban food, then. Yeah, no, it's not. No, it's not. Well, I see that Charles is on the line, so I'm going to let – we're going to go to one quick commercial, and then when we get back, we'll have Mr. Charles Quinn of Charles Quinn Photography talk about – how to document our vacation experience through photography, what to do and what not to do. So we're headed to commercial. We'll talk to you in a little bit. It's travel time with Karen. See you in a minute. Green belts, festivals, ACL, South by Southwest, food lovers paradise, amazing views of Lady Bird Lake, the Bat, University of Texas, Technology Advanced Medical Center. And the list goes on and on. Austin's offers a vast array of local favorites to appease any appetite. So come on over to Austin and explore. Contact Peaks Cruises and Tours, 512-252-8919 to set up your local tours today. You can contact Peaks Cruises and Tours at 252-8919 or visit our website at peakscruisestours.com. Are we back on the air? I guess we are. Well, let me bring Charles on. Hi, Charles. Are you there? I'm here. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm fabulous. It's nice and sunny outside and finally looks like um, spring. (laughs) It's a perfect uh, Central Texas spring weather. It is. I think it's absolutely fabulous, although it's supposed to get a little cooler, I hear, on Thursday. That's not good. Got a little bounce back and forth for a little bit. <laughs> so tell me, tell me, you and I have a history, but tell everybody about your um, about your background as a photographer. Okay, sure. Um, I think, uh, you know, I I can't remember exactly when I got my first camera. Uh, I think I was about 10 years old. And Mm -hmm. I always had an interest in photography since I was a young kid. My my father was in the Air Force, and uh, I remember looking through all the slides that he had taken from all the the places that he had been during his career, and, and that really helped spark a real interest in photography and me and and uh, I think he finally bought me my first uh, Instamatic camera when I was about 10 years old and really had a lot of fun with that uh, till I was about 15 and I got my first uh, 35 millimeter camera back when uh, film was king long before digital and uh, really started doing a lot of uh, photography of friends and um, and family at that point. When I went to college, I did some photography for the uh, 
the school uh, yearbook and the school newspaper. I did some sports photography, and I would photograph speakers when they would come to campus. And wow. uh, very much continued as um, you know an amateur photographer for several years after that, mostly photographing friends and you know of course taking photos on vacation. And uh, about five years ago, I started my uh, photography business, and uh, I've been doing that full time now for about a year. And I currently specialize in event photography. Uh, corporate photography and architectural photography. So things are going well, and and uh, really the one of the one of my favorite types of photography has always been travel photography. I mean that's just uh, you know I have a real passion for that, and I usually take way too many photos when I go on a trip, <laughs> especially now that we're solidly in the digital world. Well, I know you know my, I grew up in a in a household where my father was a a big uh, photography buff. And we would go on vacation, and he would come back and have slideshows. Remember when people would do slideshows? That's right. Yep. And and for hours, people would be um, <laughs> would have to sit there and watch them show these different slides. But then when they would have parties, he also did slideshows that were you know he'd have on the wall while they while they were having parties as well. So I've been around photography for a long time. He had his own dark room when dark rooms were available. The whole work. So, you know, architectural um, photography is something that I know you help you help with uh, real estate agents here in the Austin area. But that's also right one up. of those things that you can, you can do when you travel, right? Very much so. Um, you know, I think uh, depending on where you travel, what type of travel you like to do, um, you know, architectural photography is usually something that, uh, you know, that can serve you well, you know, especially if you go to some place like Europe. You know, people always right. want to take a picture of the, uh, well, in Germany they call them the old stones, the old buildings. And, uh, and you know, that's a, you know, favorite thing for uh, for folks to take photos of when they travel to Europe or, or places where they have a lot of old buildings or in some cases very very ultra-modern buildings. If you go to Dubai, you're probably going to be taking a lot of photos of yeah. some of the ultra-modern buildings they have there. Yeah, I guess you're right. That's, yeah, because they've got some amazing buildings there. But I want to see some of the castles of Germany. That's right, I, right. So what's your favorite yeah, those are place actually, to photograph? Uh, uh, I think ahead, you know my favorite place to my my favorite place to photograph is probably Europe. Um, I do like taking photos of of the old buildings, and uh, I don't know. I just find that to be uh, quite fascinating. And uh, really, I think it's it's also important though when you do go on vacation, when you do you know take your vacation photos, to not just take photos of of buildings or things, but take photos of of yourself. Take photos of the people you're with and the people you meet on vacation. Uh, Believe it or not, when you're showing your photos to others when you get back, um, they're almost always going to be more interested in photos with people in them. You know, that really tells the story. It kind of talks about what you did on your vacation, not just what you saw. Right. I have a friend who... uh, I have a friend who likes to to take literally thousands of photos when he goes on vacation. When he goes into, a, say, an art museum, 
he'll take photos of almost every painting in that art museum or every sculpture in that art museum. And they don't want to show you all of those paintings and all those sculptures. And, yeah. and you know, most people aren't really that interested in seeing that sort of thing. You know, you can buy a book and see those photos. They want to see what you, right. what you did on vacation, who you met, and that's usually more important uh, when you come back and start showing your photos to everybody. That's very true, and and I really like some of the advice that you know you sent in your outline when you said, when you go on vacation, have fun and experience things. Don't view your vacation through the screen of your phone or your camera. So you advise us not to take pictures of everything. That's exactly right. Uh, you know, these days in particular, uh, when you go almost anywhere, uh, whether there's, uh, you know, whether you're on vacation or some sort of special event or a concert, you know, it, it's amazing to me how many people are, are holding their phones up, either taking a video or taking a, uh, you know, taking photos of what they're seeing. Instead of actually looking at it themselves, they're looking at it through the, you know, maybe at best a, uh, a note card size screen on their on their phone, and uh, you know I think it's important to really enjoy the experience yourself and not just view everything through that through that screen. Um, right. So how do you do don't that? Don't take as a photos of. Well, I think you just have to consciously put the camera down or put the phone down and and really just enjoy the trip. There are uh, usually days on trips that I don't even take my camera. I'll just mm-hmm. leave it in the hotel room or, uh, uh, you know, just just not even take it with me at all on certain days. Just that'll be a designated day just to enjoy myself and not have to worry about taking any photos at all. And I have never once regretted doing that. Uh, as much as I like taking yeah. photos and as many photos as I often take on trips, which is way too many, I've never regretted leaving my camera in the hotel while I've gone out and enjoyed a day. In fact, I've actually been on a few trips where I've left the camera at home completely and just decided wow. not to take any photos and didn't regret it at all, not one bit. Really? You know, it's really all about okay. just uh, just enjoying that experience, and sometimes your memories are a lot more enjoyable than you know looking at a bunch of photos down the road. And and the the point you bring up is people are not not everybody wants to see all those thousands of pictures that you've taken, and then what do you do with all that, all those photos once you get back home? Well, you know, it's interesting. I've I've found just really from experience and being, you know, both an amateur and a professional photographer that it's really hard for most people to sit down and look at more than about 20 or 30 photos that somebody else has taken. Uh, I, I don't know why it, why that is, but it's just, you know, most people start glazing over after about 20 or 30 photos. And if you think you're going to go on a seven-day vacation, that's what, maybe three or four photos a day that you'd be showing right. before people start getting bored with it. So, mm-hmm. you know, think about that before you travel. You know, if you're going to be taking photos on your trip, which you probably are, what are you going to be using those photos for? You know, are, are you taking them because right. it's a hobby of yours and, you know, that's that's fine? Uh, or are you really trying to document your trip and you want to show your friends and family what you did? Well, think about that. You know, do you really need to take four or 500 photos a day and, with the thought that maybe, you know, you might be showing 
30, 40 of those folks or 30, 40 of those photos to folks when you get back home. That's a lot of photos that, that are really not going to be seen by anybody if you're going to take mm-hmm. hundreds on that trip. That is so true. That, that's that's just amazing. And, you know, I talked about my dad taking being a photographer, but my mother's an amateur photographer, and her big thing is always taking lots of pictures of the people when she goes to an event. She plays a lot of bridge and, you know, family reunions and that type of stuff. So she always wants to pose people and people sit in and, and take pictures of everybody that's there. And then she sends you copies of those photos. And it's like, what do you do with those pictures once you <laughs> once someone else has given them to you? You know, I have boxes right. and boxes of pictures of my of my kids from when they were very little to when she it stopped when they stopped wanting to pose for her. <laughs> but right, you also right. mentioned you, you also mentioned uh, get postcards and digital photos. That's true. Uh, you know, another uh, another option instead of just taking photos yourself or taking a lot of photos yourself is just, you know, when you're when you're at your destination, buy postcards. Uh, usually, places they'll they'll sell digital photos now. They usually come on, uh, you know, CD or DVDs. Uh, or you can buy photo books, um, and you know that's another option to give you photos that you would have you know, otherwise taken, and they're probably better quality than most people would take, and it kind of frees you up to you know do other things on your trip, and also when you get back home, you know if you're going to take fifteen hundred photos on a trip. You know, are you really going to spend time going through those photos and editing them and deleting the bad ones when you get back? Most people don't do that. It's just too too time consuming. So if you just buy postcards and you know digital collections, photo books when you're on your trip, yeah, you have to carry those things back home with you, but it also frees up your time to do something other than taking pictures, especially if if you know photography is not really your passion, but you still want some good photos of your trip. And I think that's always a good idea to do that. Plus, you're kind of helping out the local economy by buying those things. I think that's, that's always an important thing to do when you travel. Another that's option good. is to, instead of spending your time taking a lot of photos and maybe editing those photos when you get back, is keep a journal while you're on your trip. And maybe when you mm-hmm. get back, take the few photos that you took and your journal and do a blog. You know, actually have a little story along with some photos of your of your trip, and a lot of people would rather see that than just comb through two or three hundred photos that you posted on Flickr. Right. Wow. I never would have imagined there would be so many options for us to do <laughs> for for pictures. The other thing you you did state was. Following the rules regarding photography at the places that you visit, and the, people don't think about that; they just automatically walk in and want to take pictures of Mona Lisa, you know. But that, that's not exactly right. Necessarily want you to do. That's exactly right, and and you know there, are many places that we go do have various types of rules on photography. Some places don't let you take any photos at all, and and usually it's clearly marked. Uh, uh, even if you don't speak the language, they usually have some sort of symbol, you know, like a camera with a, a red line through it saying, you know, uh, indicating no no photographs. Uh, sometimes no flash photography is is uh, allowed, so you may have to know how to turn off your flash uh, if you still want to take photos. Um, 
sometimes it's you know if if you go into certain churches or, or religious sites, uh, there may be um, a requirement to be very quiet. So you may need to turn off any sounds that your camera makes, like beeps or mm-hmm. or certain uh, you know fake shutter sounds that some of our uh, digital cameras and our phones in particular sometimes make. Yeah. And so I think it's always important to follow those rules because if you don't then what that typically leads to over time is there are even more rules that are established. And before before long, sometimes they just might say no photography. If they have mm-hmm. trouble getting people to stop using their flash in a museum because it might damage the photos or the, the, uh, the pictures over time, then they might just ultimately not allow photography at all in that museum anymore. And that sometimes does yeah. happen. And I think it's just being a good traveler, too. It's just polite to follow the rules when you're on vacation, whether whether it's uh, you know sixty miles from where you live or six thousand miles from where you live, right? It's just all about being a good rules. person. You have some other rules about asking people before you take their pictures, and making donations of food performers. That's right. Um, you know, sometimes when people go uh, when they travel, they they want to take photos of of locals. Um, you know, maybe just somebody they see on the street that's interesting, somebody they meet and are talking to, uh, uh, whatever it may be. It's always a good idea to ask somebody if you can take their photo before you do it. And even if you don't speak the language, you know, some sort of uh, sign language almost always works. And you'll find that in most cases, in my experience, in most cases people will let you take their photograph. Occasionally, people don't want to be photographed, and I think it's important to honor that. Um, right. And also, um, you know, if you're if you come across street performers, which you know are, are pretty much everywhere these days, uh, street performers typically expect, sometimes they require that you give them some sort of payment. You know, a few cents, a, you know, a dollar, or whatever. You know, it's usually up to you how much you want to give them. But they usually expect that payment, that donation, in exchange for a photograph. And in 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 some countries, if you take a photo of them and don't give that donation, they may not say anything. Canada might be an example. I've, I've actually taken photos of street performers there before I gave them a donation, and they didn't even ask for a donation. They didn't even indicate that I maybe should donate something, even though I ultimately did. Uh, and uh, I was in India several years ago, and there was a little boy who had a bear, uh, an actual live bear with him, and he was kind of making this bear dance. And I photographed this boy with the bear and started to walk off, and he really pretty much came after me. And, of course, I'm not going to argue with a boy that has a bear with him. So I ended up obviously giving him a donation. And, of course, I would have even if he hadn't had the bear, but I was a little bit less of a savvy traveler at that time and, and uh, you know, didn't quite get the hint that, you know, to take somebody's photograph like that, you really are expected to to give them at least a small amount of money. It's just, you know, that's how some of these folks are making their living. It's just exactly. the right thing to do. That's good. Really good. Um, let's talk about cameras. What type of cameras you should usually travel with? I know my husband always says that he doesn't like to have to carry a camera around, so he tries to find one that's small as he can get so he can put it in my purse um, or my right, bag right. that I'm carrying <laughs> as opposed to a larger one. So what are your thoughts? 
Well, I think uh, it, it depends on on why you're taking photos and how those photos will ultimately be used. You know, I think in today's world, uh, most people are not going to make prints of the photos that they've taken on vacation, or if they do, it's a very small number of prints, and they're going to be smaller prints, maybe four by six prints. Uh, most of the photos that you show others of your trip are probably going to be posted online. And those photos typically are pretty small. Um, in, in this day and age, I tell you what, uh, your smartphone does a superb job with photos, especially if they're photos that are just going to be shown online. You know, you really cannot go wrong with a smartphone. Um, Oddly enough, I don't use mine that much as a camera. I really should. I just, for whatever reason, don't think about it that much. But I'm always amazed at how well these phones do. And, yeah, as a, as a photographer, you would think I'd be using my phone all the time uh, to take photos, but I really don't. Um, and, you know, I think it depends on, you know, where you're going to be traveling and what you're going to be doing on your trip as well. You know, are you going to be sightseeing in Paris? Are you going to be surfing in Hawaii? Are you going to be on a safari in Africa? Uh, are you going to be lying on the beach in Tahiti? Are you going to the air races in Reno? You know, all of those different types of trips would probably necessitate a different type of camera, you know, depending on how serious you are about taking good photos. Um, also think about what are the conditions you're going to be photographing in. Are you going someplace that's cold and rainy? Are you going to some place that's hot and dusty? Uh, is it rural? Is it urban? Are you going to be outside, inside, taking a lot of photos at night? Um, you know, all of those things are, are things to consider. Uh, and also, you mentioned that you know that you and your husband like to carry around small cameras if you carry one at all. You know, wow. I'm actually a big fan of that. When I travel, I typically carry a small point-and-shoot camera. I very rarely take one of my larger cameras with me. And the the reason is because I don't want to carry it around with me all the time. Right. You know, if you're going to be walking around a lot or if you're going to be moving from city to city and you have to take your luggage with you each time, you know, carrying a, a large camera or a lot of camera gear with you is, is really not that enjoyable. Um, yes, you can get higher quality images, but if you're just going to be posting those images online, it really doesn't matter. I can almost guarantee you that your smartphone is going to do just about as well, if not better. And, you that's, know, that's, you just – go ahead. No, I was just saying that's that's good information there because everybody always sees these photographers with these big, expensive cameras, and so you just assume that, you know, to, we should all be carrying that type of uh, – equipment around when we're talking about doing a uh in an exotic destination because you'll have better pictures but it really does depend on what you're going to do with them it really does if you're going to make you know a a a 20 inch by 30 inch print of a of a lion that you photographed in africa then yes you probably want a full framed digital slr camera with a really good lens on it and that's going to mm -hmm. be very heavy and very cumbersome for you to carry around, but that's probably the best way for you to get a photo that will allow you to make that sort of enlargement. Uh, otherwise, right. uh, one of these uh, new uh, what they call super zoom cameras is probably going to be more than good enough for you on a trip like that. I mean, it'll zoom in. 
really close to anything you want to photograph, lions, zebras, whatever it may be, and, and just give you re a really nice photo, especially if it's not something you're going to blow up into a, a large print. Right. That's and also it. you have to think about safety and security when you're traveling. You know, if you're carrying a lot of camera equipment or a, a, a large camera, you are going to draw attention to yourself. And, you know, you're going to draw the attention of security folks. You know, in some places uh, they may actually ask you to check your camera gear uh, before you go into a, a particular facility because they don't want professional quality photos taken of, of that facility. Uh, right. and would you really feel comfortable checking thousands of dollars worth of camera gear while you go look around for a few hours? And I've actually known people who have, who have checked their camera gear and forgotten about it. You know, they're on huh. vacation, they're having a good time, and later on that evening they uh, realize that they left their camera gear in, uh, you know, a checkpoint at a facility they visited earlier that day. So obviously they have to go, you know, try to go back and get it the next day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that yeah, security could be a really big situ big deal. Um I try to carry bags close to my my person and that that's probably one of the reasons Mitchell doesn't like to carry big equipment around because it's just sitting out there in front of you and not every place is safe. Even places where there are a lot of tourists is not safe. That's correct, yeah, and if there's a lot of tourists there, that's probably one of the least safe places, at least right. as far as uh, pickpocketing goes. That's exactly, exactly. right. Exactly. So uh, how do we – give us some suggestions about storing photos. Well, you know, I think uh, th this, in my opinion, is really one of the most important things these days. You know, in days – past, you know, you mentioned it earlier, you know, your, your dad had thousands of slides, you have thousands of prints uh, that, that you've taken, that family members have sent you, and after all, you wonder what to do with all those things. Uh, in the digital age, we probably have even more photos than we ever had in the past, and right. if you have all of those photos stored, just say, on the hard drive on your computer or on your phone, what happens if that hard drive crashes, or what happens if your phone gets stolen? Uh, you may lose all of those photos. In fact, I have a, a client who uh, they had a baby, a husband and wife had a baby, and uh, took, you know, like all parents do, took lots of photos of their baby during his first year. And lo and behold, they had all those photos on one hard drive, which crashed. They tried to send it to one of the recovery services to, to recover the photos, and they weren't able to recover anything. And so they lost all photos of their child's first year of life. And so yeah. I always tell people, you know, yes, it's okay to keep photos on your hard drive, but back them up. You know, back them up yeah. to a cloud service, so then they're available essentially, you know, from any computer that you're on. Uh, or at least back them up to an external hard drive. Now, the nice mm -hmm. thing about a cloud service is if you're robbed or if your house burns, you still have those photos. They're still on that cloud server. Uh, if you have them backed up on, a, on an external hard drive and that hard drive is in your house when your house is robbed or, or unfortunately, if, let's pray it doesn't burn down, but uh, yeah. you may lose even that external hard drive. So I'm generally a fan of, of backing up photos on an external hard drive, just because you have it right there with you and it's quick, but also backing up those photos with some cloud-based service. That way they're, they're really, really safe.
and you probably never will lose those photos. It's very unlikely. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, what about for the people that are kind of still wary of the cloud and feeling secure about the cloud and, and those places having their their images? Well, what I would recommend to uh, folks that are leery of the cloud uh, or are uploading any of their personal images or, or any of their personal information at all to you know, a third party essentially is what you're doing, then I would recommend backing up your photos on two external hard drives, keeping one of those hard drives at home, and keeping the other hard drive in a safe deposit box at your bank. And you can switch out those external hard drives every now and then to make sure that they both have the, the latest and greatest backup on them. And that's that's really the next best thing to do after having your photos uh, stored in the cloud. And that way, if your house, you know, if your house is robbed, et cetera, then you at least have that backup hard drive in the safe deposit box at your bank, and your your photos are as safe as they would be anywhere in the world. Right. Cool. You've given us some great, great, great information. Well, good. I've I've enjoyed this and and really had a lot of fun with it. You have any closing remarks you you need us to know about? Anything bigger? Well, you know, I think, uh, again, you know, unless photography is really your hobby, um, you know, try not to take too many photos on your trip. You know, enjoy the trip. Look at look at everything with your own eyes. Don't view everything just through your the screen on your phone or the screen on your camera. And And, again, like I said earlier, don't be afraid to – not take your camera with you on certain days on your trip, or even take a trip mm-hmm. without your camera. Just leave it at home. Right. And I guarantee you, you'll enjoy the trip every bit as much as you would have otherwise. That's really cool. That's a really cool thing. We, I, I just want to say, Charles and I have talked about doing a meetup event where he can also come and talk about uh, vacation photography. So we're gonna we're gonna plan one of those in the up weeks or months uh, so that people can sit down with him and ask additional questions. He can show some demonstrations and give us some ideas. So, And also, he did my headshot. So if you've seen my LinkedIn and my Facebook page, uh, even the one that I use on Travel Time with Karen, Charles Quinn Photography did those. And I appreciate you for that. Thanks for being with us today. You've given us some great information. Well, thank you, Karen. Have a good day. You too. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. That was good information. So I'm going to bring Miss Yolanda on. That was good, wasn't it? Yeah. That. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I hear I, I hear you sorry. and your puppy. I got my dogs in my studio today, uh, so they're kind of barking <laughs> a little bit. I just kicked them out of the studio here. Yeah, that was really great information and stuff about photography and stuff. But he is right. Charles is right about um, you. Definitely need to ask people before you just start taking pictures and and ask if it's you know to get their permission. I didn't realize that you, it's nice to leave a tip too, when you travel yeah. and ask people, musicians and stuff on the street. So that's a component that I took away from that. 
and stuff. But um, yeah, I'm a big Instagram uh, fan and stuff. So I always take pictures with my smartphone, and I'm always posting them and stuff. But I found some really cool ways that um, you can utilize your photos. I like getting my, you know, getting my pictures enlarged and putting them on my wall. You know, That's and just cool. show, yeah, show my travels on my on my wall. Right. I'm always going out and buying pretty pictures for my wall. Why not use the pictures that I take and That's put them on idea. my wall? You know, That's so when really people ask, idea. and I can tell them about my travels and go, oh yeah, I was here, and you know, and stuff. And that's another great way instead of doing the old slideshow thing. Now it's just mm-hmm. it's, it's just posted on the wall. And then Shutterfly dot uh, com has a really great thing that you can download all your stuff from Instagram and actually make an eight by eight photo book. Right. You know, and that'd be something great to put on your coffee table, you know, for people to look at. That's, cool. that's, that's, a, that's a great way to use it, you know, and stuff. And um, yeah, I like the, I, I like I, I have like a bunch. I doing need, I have a couple of walls. Too. I need to put them. I have a bunch of walls that I need. Well, two walls I need to put some pictures on. Maybe that's what I'll use. I'll. I'll that's a good idea. Yeah, when you go on your cruises and and doing different travels, take some really great pictures and enlarge them and put them in a really nice frame on the wall. And mm-hmm. um, it, they look great. I I have a lot of pictures throughout my house that are based on my travels. And Perfect. Stuff. And um, it looks really good and stuff. But um, I like that. I like that a lot. But I want to go back on something you were talking about earlier in the show about um, people reviewing and want to read stuff fast and get it quick. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, that is so true and stuff. I think that's why apps are becoming so popular now because people want right. to get that information instantly and right. find out what's going on and stuff. I know yeah. I have a tendency. Of, I don't have a long attention span at all. So I like to read really We're quick. Or I like to see something like that. <laughs> um, I know. I said we're going to yeah, all end up with ADD because we're we're you know we want it instantly and we're looking at so many different things at the same time. You know, and stuff, and you want it. Yeah, you want it now and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, hey everyone, this is Jalan. Uh huh. I mean, just I'm just gonna I'm gonna tell you what I did for the week for the South by Southwest. And tell you what's going on. So this is my part of the show where I'm bringing eating and sipping locally here in Austin to you, our great audience. In the last two weeks, it has been fun. And I get a lot of um, great things by South by Southwest. Not only the restaurant that I work at was so busy. I met so many great people, Karen. But I also got a chance to just really get out and hang out. I've never really hung out by South by Southwest. Have you ever been down here? No, I have not. I have not. Next year, we're going to have to take off, and we're going to have to go on a business trip to downtown That's Austin. Good. We're going to do a stay vacation <laughs> in our own city. <laughs> what That's we it. always talk about like doing. If, you're, if this is the place to be as far as all tech, if you want to know anything about tech information, about social media, about being an entrepreneur, they had classes on practically everything that you can attend to and just be inspired about starting your own business. 
they also had a lot of great meetups where you can meet up with other people who had that interest that you were into, mm-hmm. and you can talk with them and get to know people and stuff. So it's it's a really great place if you really. I got a really good buzz from just hanging out downtown and checking out all these tech people. And um, I had one of those little free passes that South by Southwest that I picked up at Whole Foods. And so they allowed uh-huh. me to attend a, quite a few events that was going on in the convention center and stuff. And I'm sorry that Lindsay's not on today because I wanted to ask her, did she attend any of the free live shows that they had going on with your free guest pass? Right. Stuff. But um, but it was good. But I, I one thing I took part in that I really enjoyed was the Austin Food Crawl. And the Austin Food Ooh. Crawl is... Uh, it's a Austin. It, talk about Austin food and food trucks, and um, and this this was created with South by Southwest, and they set up a foodie scavenger hunt game. And so, mm-hmm. so I signed up and I met them down at JW Marriott by the Burger Bar, and uh-huh. about fifty or sixty people attended, and we all walked down Congress and we toured the city together, and uh, it was a beautiful day for it too. And we ended up at the Capitol, and we took a big selfie picture and got to meet a lot of people. I got to meet people that was like like family, because they were all foodie lovers. They were bloggers. They were Instagram junkies, you know. So we're all kind of talking about what we had in common. And so so it was a really cool event. I also met three people who uh, put on the event. And one person was, um, her name was Coco. And she is an Austin food blogger, and her blog is called A Taste of Cocoa, which is something really oh. great to read. And then I met a woman, Christy, and Christy is the founder of 365 Things to Do in Austin. So if mm. you want to know what's going on, our audience, you need to check out her site. It tells you what's happening right now. And her site is 365thingsaustin.com. And it's a great place. It was it was a real pleasure to meet her. And cool. um, then I met Katie Cook, and she works for the ACVB, Austin Convention oh, yeah, and Business Bureau. Yes, yeah, so, I, I, so they put on this event, and it was a really great event. It was it was it was really good. So everyone who RSVP received a map and a list of the top foodie trucks that they wanted you to try out. So every time you found a place. You tried the food, and then you post a picture on Instagram with the hashtag Austin Food Crawl or hashtag True Austin, and then you'll be entered in a foodie contest and stuff. So uh, mm-hmm. let me tell you, I I, ch- I tried to check out every truck that they had on that list. I ate so much great food. Um, I ended up posting about 26 pictures for the contest. So I hope I won something. But uh, there was one guy that posted about 106 pictures. So I don't know if he ate at all those restaurants, all those food trucks, or he was just taking some great pictures. But um, it was—it's a fun little contest. I'll let—I'll keep everybody posted to find out if I won or not. But I I tried places like Juice Austin. I tried this yummy uh, shake of theirs. They have a house favorite called Grind Me Up Scotty. It is with peanut butter, spinach, and almond milk, and it has a few other ingredients in it. But it was really good. I've never had a peanut butter type of shake, and it wasn't thick. I thought it was going to be like a heavy type shake, but it wasn't. It was pretty. It was real tasty. I went. Uh, I checked out Garbo's. Have you been there yet, Karen? That lobster no. uh-uh. truck. 
No. You have one up north, don't you? I don't know. Do I? I, I haven't been to the a garbage truck, truck since they moved from South Congress. Oh, my. You should have went on the food scavenger hunt with me. They have some really tasty um, Brussels sprouts, that they crispy Brussels sprouts. It had pimental cheese and had scallions on it. It was really a really tasty little appetizer and stuff. And then I also tried the famous Eastside King and their pork tacos, and they were pretty yummy, too. So I, mm-hmm. I had a lot of great food, and you'll probably know that by the posts that I post them all on Facebook. <laughs> I've been posting all week on Facebook about all the great food that I've tried and stuff. But um, I think the most joy I've got out of it was just meeting a lot of Instagram people. I connected with a lot of people through Instagram. When I, you know, the first week when I started with Austin Food Crawlers, I had a, I was, I had a follower of about seventy people on my Instagram account, and now I've got about cool. ninety-two followers. I've got 92 wow. people that, that that are following me, which is really cool. And I'm following about 153 cool. people and stuff. So I met a lot of local people. A lot of people are just liking my photos, uh, talking to me, and um, and they're looking at our blog and looking at our Facebook page and knowing about getting right. to know about eating and shipping locally, which has been really cool. So I've been had a lot of people like, hey, you need to come check my place out. And, uh-huh. you know, what's your show all about? So it's got a great little buzz going on. So I'm hoping to gather a, uh, a lot of these great people that I met and get them on the air and they can nice. talk about their passion about Austin nice. and stuff. And so that would be pretty fun and stuff. That um, would be. Mm-hmm. And I want to try some of those places that you've gone to. I'm sure yeah, Dwayne we, would, too. Yeah, we'll definitely have to take do our own little foodie scavenger hunt tour and and check out some really great places. Now that it's getting warmer outside, it's, it's going to mm-hmm. be uh, a good time to do that. Um, one thing I did discover, I found a good app, too. I found a really great app called Best Food Austin. Um, actually, it's a, it's a um, she's on Instagram. I would say they on Instagram. I don't know if it's the woman that does it or not. But she has an app called My Babe. And I downloaded it today. It talks quickly, and this is what we were talking about on, uh, about earlier. It quickly picks up the top places. Like for an example, if you want to know about barbecue, you put barbecue and you put your location and where you're located, and it'll pick up five top barbecue places in your neighborhood. And it will give wow. you a short review of other people who talked about it. Very short. And it allows you to also uh, review that place and put point system on it, like a, like if you really like it or not and stuff. It's not a it's not a negative term. Um, let's see, I've got it on my phone here. I don't want to say a point system or a star system because they kind of tell you that they don't do stuff like that. But um, you can you can download. You can also take pictures. And you can put your favorite picture on this Bifape app as well and stuff. Mm. And you can, um, I like this because it's very, very friendly. They also have a, uh, they have, let's see, you, they have a, you, when you put in to find out what you're looking for, they have a map that shows you the location, the phone number, and has a short little review. And then they also rank the place. Uh, you can rank the place by just adding a picture and talk about what you like about the place. 
And then they have another section that's called the bucket list. And you can put mm-hmm. all the places that you want to attend into your bucket list, which I really like this feature a lot because there are so many times when I go out and I want to eat and I'm not sure what I want to eat after I said i got to try these places. But then when I get out, I'm like, I don't know. What do I want to eat? Right. You can go to this web, this little app and look down your bucket list and it will tell you some great places that you've been wanting to try this in your location. That's a great so, idea. So it's really quick and easy. You know, it's that fast what people want, you know, and, and without mm-hmm. all the bar down reviews or the negative reviews and stuff. It just says, hey, try these places out. This is what we think the, these five places will be great to try out. So I highly suggest this app. I am going to place it on our Facebook page for people who want to get more information about it. I'm hoping to have them on because they're always liking my photos, and I'm always liking their photos, too. So I'm hoping to maybe get them on one day and talk to them about um, this app and how they got it all created and stuff. And stuff. So that would be really good. Did you check out the rodeo this week, Karen? We did go to the rodeo. We had our grandkids in town, our three grandkids, and... um, we figured the rodeo would – we tried to do something different because they wanted to go back to um, – what's the restaurant where they have the games and stuff that's on 183 and uh, Mopat, Dave and Buster. Are you talking about the – oh, Dave and Buster? I thought you were talking about the main event. Yeah, Dave and, and Buster. They wanted they, – mm-hmm. they love that place. But we were trying to do some, some things that were a little different. So we went to the rodeo and – I really wanted to go see the little piglet races, but we didn't get to see that. <laughs> we just ate, and um, we did see a. there was a guy that had a demonstration, a dog demonstration, so we saw that. And, of course, we ate some things and had some, some good food. And then the other mm-hmm. thing that we did that they had never done before was we went to Interspace Tavern. And that was fun. that was fun as well because I had not been since my kids were small, so it was kind of good to have that experience with them so that they could learn about caves and different rocks and and uh, mm-hmm. what goes on underground. And they had a good time. So you know, yeah. Was, and, and neither place, I will say, neither place was very crowded, um, which I was very happy about because I was trying to stay away from real crowded places. Mm-hmm. That turned out to be a really good experience with them. Did you see any live shows at the rodeo? No, uh-uh, we didn't stay long enough. That we they were more interested in riding the rides. So that's what <laughs> they got to do. Yeah, <laughs> kids love us. You know who's playing there tonight? Boy, I don't. Men. I know. Are they? Yes, they're there tonight at the rodeo. <laughs> oh, how funny! Yes. If well, I wasn't working, good. I would go. That would be a really good show to see. You know, the the rodeo, I must say, tries to be very diverse with um, their entertainment and things to do yeah. for everyone. They have something for everybody, and that's really Yeah, good. I do like that. I was looking at their website, and I just saw country to rock to jazz, mm-hmm. a little bit of everything. It's it's nice. I've never, I hate to say, but I've not been out there yet. I'm going to try and get out there. I need to take some t- the days off to go and mm-hmm. uh, and go out there and check out the rodeo. But I hear it is so much fun. 
and stuff to go yeah, out there and really spend nice. the whole day out there and stuff. Yeah. So that's good. That's really good. Well, well actually, um, you know, next week I want to let everybody know that Texas um, Hill Country is going to have the Wine and Wildflower Trail April 10th through the 26th. And okay. I'm hoping to have January back on to talk about these wineries. There's 42 participating wineries involved. It's going to be another 17 days of drinking good wine of Texas. And so, mm-hmm. so I'm looking forward to having her on the show to tell us about that that's coming up and stuff. And um, I just want to tell everybody to, to have a great week and look forward to some more great interviews that's going to be coming up next month. And uh, to keep liking us on Facebook. And I also want to thank you, Karen, for allowing me to be a part of your show and share my Absolutely. passion with eating and sipping. You know? We, 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 I'm, I'm headed to uh, Detroit this weekend, so I'll come back with some some fun fun food and activities that we do that mainly food. Nothing like get, going see. back up to the Midwest and and getting some of that stuff you grew up with. I didn't hear you. Did you say Detroit or Chicago? Detroit. Oh, Detroit. Yes. Yep. My hometown. Yep. You and Mitchell, so it'll be good. We, I, I am going city. to, I'm going to, any, anything else we need to tell the gang about this week? No, I, I, I you're kind of fading out on me. Okay, it is fading out. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, it's kind of fading out back and forth. No, but I want to give a shout-out to Shelda, telling her that I I love her, and I hope she gets better, and um, I'll be texting her right after we get off the air here just to say hi to her and stuff. So I don't like anyone taking a cruise and then get sick. That's not any fun. I know. I'm looking so forward to that trip, too. I know, I know. That's the last thing you need, but she'll be fine. She's she's gonna get out of get out of this slump, and we'll have her back on full time. Yes, indeed. And Lindsay too. We hope to have her back next yeah. week as well and join us. All righty. Well, we will right. see everyone next week. And it's travel time with Karen, and there's no better time than now. Talk to you next week. Bye bye. Bye-bye. You have been listening to It's Travel Time with Karen. Karen is the owner of Peaks Cruises and Tours. You can find out more about Peaks Cruises and Tours by visiting PeaksCruisesTours.com or giving Karen a call at 512-252-8919. Thank you for listening, and we'll be looking for you next Tuesday.